The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Uh, the whole title of our series has been recalculating our journey, really rethinking our spiritual life, our spiritual walk. And last week we, we talked a little bit about the lack of confidence in our spiritual walk sometimes. And, and for us to be where God wants us to be spiritually, we need to have confidence in our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. And uh, this, this closing message today out of 1 John chapter 5, I think will kind of help us build that confidence in our spiritual journey. And as we think about finishing our walk and continuing our walk and realizing that God has a plan for us in our life, John says this, for us to have confidence in our spiritual life, and I'm just going to give a quick review from last week, he says we need to have a prayer-filled life. We need to develop a prayer-filled life for us to have confidence in our spiritual walk. And, and that word confidence, there's just a couple of words I want to remind you about, means a state of boldness when we face intimidating circumstances. So John says when we face some kind of intimidating circumstances, whatever they may be, we should have confidence knowing Christ. We should have confidence in our walk. And then he says when we pray with this confidence, that if we pray in God's will, anything that, that we ask, surely God will answer. And let's just go ahead and read that. That's, that's the first part. That's verse 14 through 17. And he says this, this is the confidence that we have approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. And then 16 and 17 talks about that sin that leads to death, that, uh, the sin that doesn't lead to death. And we spent most of our time last week talking about that. But that first part there, that confidence... And the will of God. And I want to remind you what that will of God is because to me, that's the key to this whole thing. The, the word will means someone's inmost desire or someone's heart desire. That's part of what that word will means. Or it can also mean some plan. So in other words, some, somebody has a plan worked out and that's kind of what a will is today. If someone leaves a will, they, leaves a, they leave a plan of what they want to do with their possessions. So when we think about praying in God's will, I want you to get this. We're praying that God's heart desire, God's most inner desire, and God's plan would come together in our lives. When we say, God, I, I, want, to, I want to offer this prayer up, and I'm offered in confidence, and I'm praying that your will would be done, that your inmost desire... For the plan you have for my life will come to be. And, and John says, when we pray that prayer in confidence that God's will would be done, surely God would answer that. Why would he answer it? Because it's his inmost desire for us and his plan for us. Like Denise said, we're, we're simply saying, God, I want to be where you're working at. God, I'm on this journey, and I want to join you in that journey. And God's not going to say, no, I don't want you to join me on my journey. He's going to say, okay, ask me. Because my heart's desire is that you'll come along with the plan that I have for you. And when we have a prayer-filled life, when we have a, in our journey, we have a prayer-filled life, and all of a sudden, we begin to walk in confidence. 
All of a sudden, we understand that prayer is not twisting God's arm into to something that we want or trying to convince Him of something that, that we need. It's simply a relationship where our will is molded into His will. And those two wills together, they're, they're made perfect. And when we're made perfect, we're made through prayer. And when we're made perfect, we can walk in confidence. So that was our first point last week. Today, as we move on... And we're talking about a, a life that's, that's walking in confidence. The second thing is we need to have a growth-focused life. That's the next critical point in our walk. We need to have a, a growth-focused life. Let's look at, look at verse 18 together. And we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe. And the evil one cannot harm him. Well, when we read this, anyone born of God, that verse literally says cannot sin. Anyone born of God cannot sin, does not sin. We ran into that when we were in the first part of John. And, and John wrote back in verse 3, no one who, uh, chapter 3, no one who abides in Christ can sin, sins. And then a little bit later, we read again, anyone born of God does not sin. When we read that, we can kind of think, well, John's talking about sinless perfection. He's talking about something we can't achieve. And then we look in verse 8 of chapter 3, and John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Then in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, if we say we were without sin, then we've made God out to be a liar, and the truth is not in us. So, when we read those things, it can become very confusing what John's saying. He's saying if we're born of God, we're not going to sin. And then he says if we're, uh, if we're people and we say we're, we're without sin, we make God out to be a liar. So what John, what's John talking about? And what I want us to see here in verse 18 is when he's talking about this, he's talking about a verb, it's in the verb sense, and it's present tense. And the emphasis is, continuing to sin, that, that continual, persistent lifestyle of sin. When we read here in, the, in the, uh, the NIV is what I had. Listen to what it says. Anyone who is born of God does not continue to sin. In other words, what John is saying is, is because of our, uh, of our life and because we're born again... The Holy Spirit of God is living within us, and we talked about this last week. We're born again in God. We're not going to continue to sin. In other words, we're not going to just live in the same kind of sin day after day after day with no remorse, with no thought, with, with no care about our sin. See, when we're born again, we have a new spirit living within us. And when we enter into that old man spirit and that spirit of God, they're waging war. So within us, what happens? We have a conscience that says, you know what, you're sinning. And you're born of God, and, and you don't want to continue in this sin. So all of a sudden, we call that being convicted. And what do we do? We go back to that lifestyle of prayer. And we begin to pray, God, forgive me, and, and I've, I'm sinning in this area, and I need you to cleanse me, and I need you to help me through this. That's not to say from that point on, it'll never happen again. But it says, in our life... We realize that we've sinned. And when God reveals that sin to us through the Holy Spirit, we go to Him and we confess. 
See, so, so John is saying anyone born of God is not just going to continue on sinning that same old sin day after day after day after day after day after day with no remorse and with no care about that. And then he says there that God protects us, that no harm or literally no touch of Satan can touch us. Now, I want you to hear what that's saying. Let's look at that verse again. We know anyone born of God does not continue on sinning, in other words, just habitually continuing that same old sin, that same old sin. But the one who was born of God keeps him safe. And the evil one, who's he talking about? Satan. The evil one cannot harm him. That word harm, that, 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 that word really means touch. Now here's the thing. Satan can harass us. I mean, he can harass us. He can tempt us. But God has put a hands-off sign on us. In other words, Satan can't grab us and pull us away from God. Because God's protecting us. He says over in John that, that once we're born, God gets a hold of us and nothing can take us away from God. Nothing can, nothing can pull us away from the hand of God. So, so God is protecting us. He's, he's, he's gave us that hands-off sign to Satan. But here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. Only way Satan can gain access into our lives is when we invite him. Isn't that sobering? <laughs> oh, I would never do that. Well, we would never do that, but we do. Because the Bible says when we're tempted, we're drawn away by our own desires. And see, when Satan is tempting us, when he's harassing us, he can't make us, I always talk about Geraldine, you know, Flip Wilson, many of y'all don't even know who that is because you're not old enough, but his thing was, the devil made me do it. <laughs> well, the devil can't make us do it because we have a hands-off sign on us. So God says, I I've placed a hands-off sign on you. The only way Satan is going to get access to you is when you invite him or when you fall into that temptation and you begin to go and you begin to follow his ways. Now that happens to us. Again, we go back to that prayer-filled life. We confess God is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But in order for us to not continue in a lifestyle of sin, we need to be focused on spiritual growth. And I want to ask you this morning, are you growing spiritually? That's what John's talking about here. He's talking about God gives us places in our life that we can grow spiritually. And, and as Christians, we need to be progressing spiritually. And just think about yourself. Where are you growing spiritually today? You will never reach spiritual maturity this side of heaven. Do you realize that? It doesn't matter how old you are. You'll never reach spiritual maturity. You'll never be able to kick back in the recliner, cross your arms and go, I finally made it. I, boy, today I graduated, I finally here. You'll never reach that. It's a, it's a process of we're growing. We're constantly growing spiritually. Or should I say we need to be constantly growing spiritually. Some of you may have heard of Pablo Casales. He turned 95. He was the world's greatest cellist. Y'all know what that is? That's a boom, boom, you know, the big old cellist thing there. I looked him up. I was going to play him this morning. I decided we probably didn't have time. At 95 years old, 
he was interviewed, and the interviewer said this, Mr. Casals, you're 95 years old. You're the greatest cellist who's ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day? His answer was, because I think I'm still making progress. See, folks, are you still making progress? Are you still growing spiritually? Because in your spiritual walk, it's an ongoing process. We need to be growing spiritually. For us to walk in confidence, we need to be able to look back down the road of our life and say, you know what? I've grown from that point. I've come through some tough times. I've defeated Satan in these areas. I've overcome those areas. And I'm growing spiritually. That's how we walk with confidence. Here's the third thing. And my clock is off today. And Jeremy offered to get me one. I said, no, I'm going to go this morning until I get finished. So bear with me. So I have no idea what time it is today. So Thank you. All right. So here's the third thing. I just have one more after this. So here's the third thing. For us to walk in confidence, we have to have a truth-filled life. We need to have a truth-filled life. For us to, to walk in confidence, we need to know and understand the truth. Look here in verse 19. We know that we're children of God. And I've asked you to do this before. If you're in your Bible in 1 John chapter 5, sometimes just go through and, and, and circle everywhere it says no. K-N-O-W. Boy, John wants us to know and he wants us to understand. Through the direction of the Spirit, we can know these things. Verse 19 and 20. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of Satan. Not not God. Now let me tell you this. God has ultimate control. He's over the universe and everything. But the Bible is full of references that, that Satan is under control of this whole world we live in. So we know that we're children of God. We know that the whole world's under control of the evil one. And we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know Him who is truth. And we are in Him who is truth. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. He says here, we know three times in two verses. He says, we know this truth. Folks, for us to have a a confidence walk, we need to know the truth of who God is. You know, sometimes it's frustrating a little bit when you hear a Christian say this, oh, I could never lead anyone to Christ. Why? If you want to walk confidently, you know the truth. You know the truth who God is. And John says we need to know and we need to understand that we are God's children through salvation. We've been brought into God's family and we're part of God's family. We're going to receive the inheritance that Jesus Christ receives. We've been adopted into the family of God. Folks, that's the truth of God's Word. Also, the truth of God's Word is this. Satan's under control of this whole world. This world that we're living in, Satan's roaming around. He's in control. And the Bible says we need to be aware of that and we need to be careful of that. Satan is in control of this world and, and the, he can't touch the child of God. That's the truth. We just talked about that. That's another truth that, that we need to understand. He embraces the world. Satan does. And Satan has a worldview, which is the world's culture. What is the world's culture today? 
I don't have to tell you. You already know. Just look around and look at the news of the culture of the world today. And we need to understand that's because Satan is running things right now in this world. We also need to know the truth. God hasn't lost control. Okay, God is still in control, but Satan is still here on this earth. There is going to be a time he's going to be locked up. He's going to be bound away. But right now he's, he's on this earth and he's roaming this earth. And we need to have an understanding of that truth. And, and John says, but Jesus Christ came into the world. That's what we talk about at Christmas. That was what we talk about when we talk about the, the advent, the coming of, of Jesus Christ into the world. He came to bring salvation. He came to bring forgiveness for our sins. And he says this, we need to understand that. And we need to understand this truth about this worldview. You know what it says over in Romans chapter 12? It says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. Right? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why does Paul say that? Because if we're formed by the pattern of the world, who's running this old world? Satan is. So if we have a worldview that walks hand in hand with the world, we're allowing Satan to form who we are. And, and John says here, and, and, and Paul says over in Romans, be transformed by a renewing of your mind. Understand what the truth is. So we need to live a life of truth. We need to know that when we've born again, that God lives in us, that God walks with us, that God directs us. And when we're born again, we need to walk with Him, and we need to allow Him to direct us in all of our lives. Here's the last point. We need to have a truth-filled life, but we need to have a faith Filled life. A faithful life to Him. Look at here the last verse. Just a little short verse. Dear children. He just ends it this way. Keep yourselves from idols. If, if you turn, my, that's the last page in, of this chapter. If I turn to the next page, it's 2 John. I mean, he ended his letter with this. He wrote this church that's under all this persecution. As he begins to end his letter, he comes and says, Dear children... Keep yourselves from idols. Well, what's he really talking about? Keeping yourselves translates to this. It's to watch something closely. It's to be kind of like a guard watching over a prisoner. That's what that word translates to mean. So, so we, need to, we need to have a faithful life and we need to be on guard. George Berg says this, We must be diligent and alert. Never passive when it comes to taking care of ourselves. Now listen, there's something only you can do for yourself. Your, your parents can't do it for you. Your, your spouse can't do it for you. Your church can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. But the thing that you can do only for yourself is you have to guard your life. Now you do it through the, through the direction of the, the Spirit of God. God's Spirit helps us do that. But we need to protect ourselves. We need to be faithful to God, and we need to protect ourselves against idols. Now, I mentioned a while ago during our prayer, as we guard against idols in the ancient world, what was an idol? It was something some man made out of gold or some uh, Asherah pole that was made out of wood, and, and people could see it, and they could come by, and they could worship it, and it was trinkets. So, I mean, we could go into all kinds of things. Boy, when Paul went into Athens, he found all kinds of idols. Uh, there was a, an asteroid that fell and came to the earth, and, and uh, they took it and put it in the temple of Diana, and, and they made 
pictures of it, and they made uh, trinkets of it, and people would wear it for fertility. I mean, there were all kinds of idols. Well, folks, today we don't have that many idols. I really, I don't know of hardly any that we have that's made of, of man's, ha- man's hands, but in our culture today, there's idols everywhere. And for so many, it's, it's people and it's possessions and, it, and it's power. And they turn to those things for what only God can do. In other words, they want possessions. So they turn to those possessions and they fight and they struggle, but only God can give those things. Or, or they turn to, to, to people and they, they look for acceptance and look for all these things and, and only God can do those things. So they turn to all of these different idols. The, the problem with the idol is this, it's essentially a problem of faithfulness. It's essentially a problem of, of turning to someone else or turning to some other thing when we walk with God, when we have that relationship with God and we obey God and, and He directs us and we trust in Him then we don't need those idols to come. And, and for so many, idols are, are material things, or success, or adventure, or leisure, or comfort, or, or hobbies, or homes, or gardens, or children, or, or so many things. I mean, we could go on and on. An idol is anything that, that squeezes God out of number one. Anything. I mean, you can say, man, Jake, you just said kids. My kids are number one. You know what? That's not right. Whew, that's hard to believe, isn't it? God's number one. And if anything squeezes God out of that first place, then it's become an idol to us. And, and when something becomes an idol to us, we have not guarded ourselves from idols. Boy, it's such a big thing. John says here to the church, Dear children, guard yourselves, keep yourselves from anything that would squeeze God out of number one. I told you last week about going to Arlington and being lost and not even knowing what direction I was going. I was young. Uh, I, was, uh, I tried to go to Six Flags. I made it okay, but 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning I called and because I knew my father-in-law was hunting for me with a shotgun by that point, probably, and uh, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time. He was, I was just dating his daughter, and, and uh, I got on the right path. I told you I was, I was real uncertain after that. Boy, the next time I went on a trip, boy, I was, I was uncertain about where I was going. A few years ago, I got a call from my supervisor. He said, I need you to head to the East Coast. I want you to go to New Jersey, and you need to leave in the morning at 5. I have never been past about Oklahoma in my life, maybe Kansas. I mean, I've been up skiing, but do what? (laughs) East, east, east. Uh, I've never been to the East Coast. (laughs) Uh but you know what? When he called me, it was 35 years earlier, I would have been terrified. I couldn't make it to Arlington and back. <laughs> and I lived in McKinney, so it wasn't that far. But you know what? I didn't say, well, I can't do that. I don't, uh, I've never been there. I can't find my way. You're going to have to find somebody else. 
Here's what he said. I said, okay, head to New Jersey. I didn't even know where New Jersey was. I, that's the truth. I'm not making that up. He said, head that way. And I said, where do I need to go? He said, I don't know. Just head that way in the morning at 5 o'clock. And somebody will call you before you get there and tell you where to go. We weren't meeting up as a group. I wasn't to meet up with a, a bunch of other folks. He said, get in your truck and head that way. So I headed that way. Sure enough, uh, before bedtime, I got a call. And he said, okay, we're going to so-and-so tonight. Uh, and, and everybody's going to be there, and that's where you're going to sleep. I really didn't know that it was going to take us two and a half days to get there, but when you travel with a bunch of trucks, sometimes it takes longer. But at that point, I gather up some... The reason I'm telling you this story is what changed? What changed from when I was 17 years old to I was 50 years old? What changed during that time? Well, a lot of things changed. Some things that changed is I learned how to read a map. I learned how to watch road signs. You know, I left Six Flags. There's a, I told y'all last week, a big old sign that says I-30 East with a big old arrow that points that way. And I, and I ended up going north. And that is north. <laughs> and I ended up going towards Denton. You know why? I just I didn't look at the signs. I, I wasn't paying attention to a map. I wasn't concentrating on the journey. I was just kind of in my own world just trying to move forward. But what changes, I realized that, that with a little direction and a little study, and boy, I got that night, I got out, I looked, and, and I said, okay, here's how I get to New Jersey. And I understood that, that there was a path and there was a road. And even though I didn't know my final destination, I knew before I got there, somebody would call and say, hey, this is where you're headed. I did know my final destination. I just didn't know exactly how I was going to get there. On our spiritual journey, that's the way we are sometimes. We do know our final destination. If you're a born-again Christian, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's your final destination. On the way. We need to build confidence. A few years ago, you may have said, there's no way I could get up in front of the church and talk about the IF conference. There's no way I could teach a Sunday school class. There's no way I could share my faith with someone. But when you begin to study God's Word, and you begin to bathe those things in prayer, when you begin to grow spiritually, there's no way. Jake, don't call on me to pray. I, I couldn't get up and pray. Every person in here, I ought to be able to call on you today and just say, would you close us in prayer? Sure I will. What are you doing? You're just talking to your father. If I ask you this morning, hey, your, your dad, you have a good relationship with him, give him a call today. Nobody would say, oh, I can't do that. I could never talk to him. Oh, we, we're just talking to the Father. How do we get those things? We get them through following God's roadmap. We find it right here in His book. We get it through prayer and communication. We get it through study. We get it through growing. Though when someone says, hey, I want you to head to New Jersey today, you can say, no problem. No problem. I want to head that way because I've learned to read the road maps. I've learned to study the signs. I've learned to wait on further instructions. And God will lead us and God will guide us and God will direct us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings.
But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. If we want to walk with confidence, think about this church that we've looked at through 1 John. Gnosticism within the church, people denying that Jesus was Christ and simply saying he was just a man born, there was no resurrection, there was... Those, are, those were brothers and sisters the church felt like. False teachers, false prophets, Satan getting footholds within the church. John addressed all those issues and said, you know what, on your spiritual journey, there's going to be some potholes, there's going to be some detours, there's going to be a few days we get off on the wrong road. But he closes it all up to say this, you know what, if we'd have a prayer-filled life, I mean a, a prayer-filled life, that our confidence, we can move forward. If we would live a life with the truth of who God is, there's no doubt. John says, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know. I want you to know you have eternal life. I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. I want you to know that God has a plan for you, that God has a will, His heart's desire for a direction for you. I want you to know those things. I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to live faithfully. As John talked to this church, the Holy Spirit talks to us today. We know our final destination. God wants to guide us. God wants to lead us. And God wants us to walk our walk with confidence. Lord, I pray this morning as we just consider our spiritual walk, I pray, I pray Father, that we would have a life of prayer. And, Lord, I pray that we would uh, just remember that there's a truth in your word, Father. I pray that we would know that you have a will and a plan for us. And, Lord, most of all, I pray that we would be growing in you. And as we grow in you, we begin to build confidence in our journey. Lord, I pray that we would know that first step is salvation. I pray, Father, that we would respond to your call if we've never been saved. And, Father, beyond that, I pray that we would know the truth, that if we've fallen off in sin and your Holy Spirit's convicting us, Lord, I pray that we'd know we've not been lost. You've not forsaken us nor abandoned us. But, Father, you desire that we would come to you, confess our sins, and allow you to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray today as we just do business with you, that your spirit would lead us and direct us, and we would respond to you wherever you would lead. We would respond to you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.